Welcome to Inspired Artist Podcast with me, Porter Singer. In this episode, I get to speak with Naomi Wilder, aka Ema Naomi. We'll get into her name and why she picked that in the episode. She is a singer-songwriter, sound healer, and yogini from Santa Cruz, California. With over 20 years of yoga, movement, theatrical studies, we get to talk about that a little bit, about her theater background and how that helps her explore performance as a ritual. We also get to talk about her new album, which is out today when this podcast releases, November 19th. So I always love it when that happens, magical synchronicity. It's gorgeous what I've heard of it so far, so I encourage you to go out and check it out on all the music platforms. And before we get into the podcast, I want to remind you that I am now an ambassador for this product that I love called Earth Breeze. It's a dehydrated laundry detergent, saves so much plastic. It's just wonderful. It works really well to clean your clothes. And if you click the link in the description box, whatever I get from your purchase goes to creating this podcast. So it's win, 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 win for you, win for me, win for the planet. All right, here we go. Let's get into the podcast. Talk to me about your name. Okay. (laughs) My name, my legal name, Naomi Wilder. And my music name, Ema Naomi, double E-M-A. And the reason I chose that is because of my Jewish ancestry. The, uh, the word Ema means mother or mama. Oh. And, and so it's interesting because some people, you know, automatically call me Ema as my first name, which is a little confusing. And, but the, really what they're just calling me is mama. <laughs> And that's so okay too. You don't answer to Ema. Not like, necessarily unless somebody doesn't realize it. And then I say, yeah. So it's like Mama Naomi. It's like Mama Naomi. It's like if, if I were to put my music name out there in English as Mama Naomi. Oh, I really like that. Yeah. I, I didn't put that together, but I think I heard that on this show on Netflix that was called yep. My Unorthodox Life. Have you seen that? Yep. Yep. Exactly. They call the mom her Ima all the time. And, right. and really they, they spell it I-M-A, which is the, how you spell it traditionally. But I just knew in, um, in North I'm America, not. at least people would say Ima. So yeah. <laughs> I thought yeah, ahead. I'm, all, I'm really into spelling things out phonetically for the location <laughs> that you're in. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Smart move. Cool. Well, I love the music you've been putting out lately. And thank you forever, but you know, lately I've been, I've been listening to your non mantra stuff or your singer songwriter stuff. And, um, it's been exciting to kind of discover you as a, as a singer songwriter, were you doing that prior to the mantra stuff? And then you kind of came back to it or was this kind of a new exploration? Yeah, totally. Like you, I, 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 you know, I heard, I read your bio. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, oh, similar, same, same, you know, we, we both were writing creatively, um, expressing and then mantra came into our lives and yeah, that's what happened. So it was, all, it was, it was predating Kundalini yoga years for sure. That's, that's cool. Yeah. Was, was that, was that sort of a weird transition for you or did that feel just totally natural? Like what? What was your experience of that? Yeah, I feel like it was weirder in the sense that I, I projected how weird it must have been for people that had only known me through Kundalini Yoga. That's where I still feel a little awkwardness. Like, yeah, this, but but the people that knew me before, seen this whole like loop de loop. You know, like oh, there she was. Then she went into this other thing, and now she's back. Okay, I remember this person. You know, <laughs> she's she's who I remember now. And whereas the people that I met, I mean, you know, in the Kundalini Yoga world, there's just like there's a whole another world and um, people to connect with from all over the world. And so that's where it's felt awkward. It's just like um, these people that solely know me from that world to then see me in this place where it feels very natural to return to. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been doing, do you think that the mantra affected the way that you are now writing songs? Like has, has your process changed as a result of, of doing that? I, I definitely 
feels that's the case. Um, it's hard to put in words because it's such a, an energetic thing, but um, obviously the nod that I learned through mantra really has helped my, my songwriting and f- having things flow um, sonically. So there I can just contribute so much to learning about nod. And then um, like frequency levels and vibration and and even what I'm writing about, it's like in English, but it's it's spiritual. It's about love. It's about connection. It's about the human experience. And um, it does, you know, it it has that sort of elevation, even though, you know, it's not from scripture. Yeah. Yeah. If you feel at any point that you want to talk about, you want to just go off and talk about something, please feel free. I'd I, I feel like this is more of a conversation than like an interview. So I didn't prepare right. any questions. And if you have okay. like awesome stories to tell, like, <laughs> I invite you to just spontaneously, um, right spontaneously on. do that. <laughs> I, love, I love finding out about people behind their music. And I find it's actually a, spe- it's kind of a special thing for artists to share themselves personally. Cause I think a lot of artists are like, well, I already did it with my music. <laughs> You know, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't have any more to, uh, to, to give to, you know, to the conversation. Like I've, I've already given so much, which is totally, you know, appropriate for, for them. But I don't know, for me, I, I just love finding out like the stories behind songs. Speaking of which, um, I was just listening to your song, Sentient. Do you feel like talking about what that's, what that's about? Yeah. So that was the second single that I put out and I wrote it actually a while back in the Kundalini yoga years. Um, and I was just feeling so much. It was probably like, who knows what was happening in the stars, but I was really feeling on a visceral level, so much complexity and, you know, grief and confusion and, I just had to like uh, explore a song about it. And so that, that song to me was about, uh, well, the first verse at least was about, you know, like um, connecting and meeting people and how they kind of rub you a certain way or, you know, rub you the wrong way and like, you know, rub you the right way. And like, it was just one of those times in my life where there was a lot of spontaneous combusting happening. And so I wrote about how sentient we are. And if we're like really tapped into the, um, the feeling of being a human, it's just, it can almost be overwhelming. Um, and I just had some fun with it because like it's tingling and it's also tangling, you know? And then the, the second verse, I, that was around the time actually where I started to kind of want to go back into writing songs in English and exploring that, that part of myself again. And so the second verse was about the the muse arriving and and how she was coming. She I felt like she was like back in and and awakening. It was it's interesting because like knowing yoga and the terms and all the stuff, I'm like, wow, the the muse is here. And like I feel all my chakras lit up right now, and I want to write music and like see the colors are all saturated and yeah. So that song is kind of about yeah, life being very saturated. <laughs> I hear that. Wow. Does I'm taking notes. <laughs> um, did you feel any sort of resistance to writing in, in English? Was that weird at first again? Like, did it seem like a non-spiritual language or anything silly like that? Or? It's certainly not the most romantic language, you know, um, but I, I wouldn't say resistance only because it's just my native tongue I would say that um it there was there's a difference in the sense that when you know you and I both have chanted Jepji over and over and over and like there's something that doesn't quite happen in English compared to (laughs) chanting Nick or Mookie you know like the tongue flapping and like the rhythm, like, I mean, it can happen, but it doesn't happen as ornately, I would say. Mm-hmm. How yeah. about you? Do, how, I'm interested in hearing how you. No, 
I no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think I've ever felt that. Well, no, I guess I did. I must have at one point felt that English was not a spiritual or else I, I wouldn't have been doing <laughs> mantras. But um, towards when I started writing music again, no, I sort of felt like, like you were saying, the energy of those, of those mantras and how they had affected me allowed me to use the English language maybe in a way that I hadn't um, before or like I had access to, to different ideas and things. I actually really love English. I think English... It's a lot of words in the English language. I speak French and there's so many, so much fewer words in mm. French to describe things, <laughs> even though it's really pretty. Mm-hmm. It's candy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's true. That's true. I feel that way too. Yeah. Are you doing a lot live? I'm starting to, um, you know, obviously with the pandemic, I wasn't for a while and then things have definitely lifted up and um, just small group things right now. Um, my album is finally wrapped and we're just getting all the promotional stuff in gear to release it. So, and then of course we're heading into the holiday season where it's not as great timing to, to tour. So I'm going to start touring. Well, and so you have a and- Christmas album. Exactly. Which we actually, I was in the studio yesterday and we were like, what should we do? Should we do a Hanukkah song or a Christmas song? And nothing really strongly came through except for uh, the little drummer boy I really wanted to do. But we were like, we need a drummer. We didn't have a drummer in the studio yesterday. So we're like, okay, we'll put that on hold. Maybe next year. Pum, 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 pum. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's, yeah. You, you, I think like, I can't remember. Somebody told me like, you have to get your Christmas single out by like summer or something, you know, like you have to get it ready to. to That's start. what I heard. Yeah. They've already done like all the playlists and you know, everything by the time. Yeah. It's, it's not a, it's so weird. It must be so weird to record a Christmas album in the middle of summer. Too. <laughs> right. Uh, I've heard that too. And that makes some sense. It really does. Um, yeah, you, so I'll, sorry. No, I no, just, go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm just hoping to tour in the spring, like to, to tour for the album in the springtime. Because you're um, in, are you in California? I am. And I'll, I'll probably play a bunch of little shows, but like to go out, go out with a band somewhere, it'll probably be late spring. Yeah, that's cool. You, yeah. yeah. You've, you've done, so you have had three names to my knowledge right? You've done music as Chud and Paul, mm-hmm. All Stars, mm-hmm. and Ema yeah. Naomi. Yeah. Am I missing anything? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, and- yeah. A Call Stars is the duo with my husband, who, who I believe I know you through. I mean, I know I knew you as the singer, you know, yeah, and, yeah. Um, but he was, he had played with you. And so he would always talk about you like, Oh, singing. <laughs> does he play percussion with you or do you guys have a, not so much anymore. We're, we're actually talking about getting a home studio set up and we're buying gear and getting all that set up. Cause we had a little makeshift one, but we want to get a little better upgrading. And once we do that, we'll probably end up playing more together. But we're also at a point where like, well, what, what would we play? <laughs> what would we play? We're not really called to, to, to the meditation tracks anymore. But, you know, he's a great drummer. He loves playing the djembe. And so we'll see what happens. Hopefully, eventually we start collaborating again. Although um, he will be the first to admit this. We have a really hard time collaborating. We get into it it's so funny when people come up to us like oh I love I love your this I love your that track you know like your uh uh which one is people come uh the so bog kriya uh-huh. and I remember we got into a raging fight during the recording of that song I'm like at first I was like oh no is this fight going to be is this frequency going to be infused and it's like hard hard you know and like people come up, like they love, they love it, it so much. <laughs> Some realness very in there. Aggressive. That's a very aggressive Korea. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the fire energy is there. <laughs> That's funny. That reminds me, I have this song called love is, and I had more arguments with people over that song. <laughs> 
so ironic. <laughs> I'm like, ah. you know, it's like, well, we're, we get provided the contrast, right? And yeah. <laughs> show totally. us what something actually is. Totally. <laughs> I was talking to Sean Johnson. I think that was, that'll be the last podcast. This years will be after his. Um, and he was saying his band has been together for like, I'm going to get this wrong, but I, I think I remember him saying like 16 years and they don't get along very well, like personally, <laughs> but they just, they get along really well collaboratively. So maybe you just can't have both. I don't know. Um. It's, it's rare to have both. I'll say like to find that magic, like this, this person that I've been recording with, his name is Graham Patzner and we can accomplish in the studio in one day what I've tried to do with other producers in, in months and still don't create, it's like a chemistry, it's a magic yeah. that happens and we just are on the same page. And so when you find that, it's just like, oh, please let's preserve this because it's so hard to come by. Totally. <laughs> yeah, keeping your, your people, you know, the ones that like so important. I actually... That's one of the things I got from the pink documentary. Did you see that? No, not yet. She's really cool. I had never really listened to her music before, but she's like a gymnast acrobat. She does all these like crazy stunts during her performances. Right. But one of the really cool things about her is that she has had the same crew for like her whole career or wow. most of it. Yeah. Cause she, she really like when she finds someone that she likes, she values them. But I feel like most people are kind of like, well, this was, I was thinking about this too, like in other aspects of my life, like well, this was a little too easy. Maybe I could get something better, you know? <laughs> so we try to upgrade, but. Right. And sometimes that's important. Like, you know, I've, I've worked with countless people in different realms, like from web designers to engineers. And it's, you know, you make the best working with the dynamics you have at hand, but you, you know, it is, I wouldn't say it's like people are disposable at all. It's more just like what, what could be a better match mm -hmm. and, and, and what will serve the art the best, you know, that's ultimately the ideal. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And somebody can be really amazing and right. Just, you know, I always feel like just because you did something with someone doesn't mean you have to do it again too, but but maybe you do. Maybe you keep doing it. Maybe. Right, right. If that desire is there. Yeah, we've worked with some amazing, you know, people with lots of accolades and it, it was pleasant and amazing, but it was like, were we on the same page creatively? No, yeah. not at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's hard too, because when somebody is so accomplished too, I feel like there's also that rub of like, well, sometimes that they feel like they know best or mm -hmm. yeah yeah the the dynamics of of collaboration are are uh I don't know how to say they're like a definitely like a tinker a recipe that needs to be tinkered with very delicately <laughs> lots of dynamics at play and if you're not careful a lot of ego you know clashing or clash of the wills and yeah, just like life and in any endeavor, it's just, you know, with the, with artistry, it's like, I just feel like so, that much more attached to it, you know, than, than other things in yeah. life. Are you someone that, that, do you generally find that like the producer has a concept, like, especially the one you're working with, I guess, and you love it off the bat or is it sort of like okay well I like this part of it but let's tweak this like are you a are you a tweaker or are you a sort of like oh I never would have thought about that sure let's go in that weird direction you know both okay. but I would say how I work is um I'll write the song it'll be the the acoustic version of it that I can hear in a much bigger larger context with layers and textures and so when I bring it to the producer we start there, we, we start, I'll lay down, you know, he'll actually put a click track on and I'll mm -hmm. play the guitar to it first and then I'll sing. And then everything else he, you know, and his other, his musicians that he works with will come and bring whatever flavors they, and what they experience. And so then he'll send me a little draft of it. Hey, what are you thinking? I was thinking along these lines. And 
that's why I like working with him because nine times, 9.99 times out of 10, I'm like, yeah, that was it. Thank you. You nailed it. And I didn't have to say it, you know? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's a good relationship. It is cool. And I have worked in the other sense where um, I've been sent something back and it's, then it becomes a whole other like awkward mess of (laughs) how do I put it to this person that I don't like this at all and I know they spent hours on it (laughs) yeah 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 well it's hard too because if it's just like not how do you it's hard you can't even explain that one it's like no I don't think you got it like you can't really go like I think the drums should be different it's like no it's just just like the whole essence of what this sounds like was just not the direction and it's not that the playing was off or wrong or bad it's just yeah it's just yeah it's just a vibe yeah it's just not not you yeah that's why I like to be as involved as possible. I mean, nowadays with the recording process, it's so easy to be like, hey, here's these tracks, put yours on be in your home studio all, all the way over there in like Timbuktu and then send them <laughs> back to me. And that's the beauty of it. And at the same time, if you're, you know, it does, there's, it lends to a lot more magic when you're in the room together and you're, you know, during this pot together, you know, bouncing ideas and I don't know it's just it's more fun that way and what I prefer when possible yeah yeah it's it's hard I hear like I don't know if you're this way but I tend to hear like on the micro level like my producer kind of takes care of the envelope but you know and she hears things that I don't but I hear like tiny noises and I'm like no we have to get rid of that (laughs) I am the same way really (laughs) yeah I I always go this is my Virgo rising totally (laughs) neurotic but yeah I think you moved during the like and the mic picked up on it like I hear that that's what I'm looking for and there is I I don't know if you feel this way but like listening to your own tracks as you're making them when you're on that micro level it's like when like I need to be able to enjoy this at a certain point and it, yeah, I yeah. won't be able to enjoy it until all these things are smoothed out, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me a little, cause sometimes I've actually let it go and I listen back and I'm like, I can't ever, I can't listen to this track. <laughs> Other people might like it, but I, I, can't, I can't even. <laughs> oh my God, Porter. Same, <laughs> same. I'm just like, well, I've learned actually to speak up, you know, if it's fixable, because I'm like, I want, I want to be able to listen to the song again. I want to be able to be a grandma, great grandma and listen to the song again and be so proud, you know? (laughs) Oh, nice. Yeah. So there's like, there it is, it can be painstaking and, you know, in a dramatic sense about it, it's all good, but there's like, there's a lot of fine tooth combing that people may not realize. I mean, what goes into it all yeah yeah well and your music lately has it has had a lot of room in it so that is like a breeding ground for tiny noises you know yeah when it's that it's harder I think to make something like that sound good because there's not a lot to cover it up Mm-hmm. That's true. In the tracks that I did in the mantra mu- music, I had the drone going the whole time, the harmonium droning, droning, droning the whole time. So yeah, in a sense that kind of had such a solid bedrock for other things to kind of just go in and out. And with the spaciousness that we have in this new music, it it's true. There's a lot. And we did it in this last recording we did in a home studio. So we did have like oh wait there's a siren going by you know like if you listen closely there's some background noises and nobody would be able to detect it but like um I actually just was asking because there's a track that has bird noises at the end that I didn't personally put in or hear or or ask request to have but they were there you can I'm like there's bird chirping right when we're finished playing um did you did you add that in there did you like get like a sample of that he's like no that was like the bird <laughs> I'm like awesome that it happened organically <laughs> yeah that's so sweet that reminds me of when 
when I was recording my second album, I had just given birth to my first child. Wow. Never would have done that if I had known what having a child was like, but that's when I, that's when I, that's what I paid for. Um, so at one point I actually had to like hold him to sing one of the songs and we got a little bit of his like, like sucking noises or something on, on the track. And I remember like telling people about it, like, like, this is funny. Obviously we're not going to keep it, but this is funny. And people are like, oh, we should totally keep it in the track. We should totally I kind of wish I had, but at the time I was like, no, that is not going on the track. <laughs> oh, that's precious. Well, the essence of it, it was there. Yeah. yeah that's true. Yeah. Did yeah. You, I just realized that the reason I thought you had the microphone sticking out of your headphone was because of the gong okay. thing in the back. No, if you just uh, move to the, there's like that, that thing, no, you don't have to move, but like on one side oh yeah go. yeah <laughs> so I thought you had one of those gamer headsets on <laughs> oh that's hysterical because <laughs> um, I was like you probably had no idea what I was talking about <laughs> no I mean I thought you were just referring to headphones in general I did now that that's so funny now that I see it I can't I, I cannot not see it <laughs> and you who are listening to the audio of this you'll just have to check out the YouTube video I guess to see what we're talking about yeah did you grow up playing music and guitar and all that? I grew up singing. I grew up, I remember this one moment where I was probably seven or eight years old. And I can honestly say I didn't know what I was doing, but I went into my closet and turned on the lights and started singing songs that like, I mean, who knows what I was singing about, but I remember like my heart chakra being like, boom, 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 boom. And like, just like being emotional and just making up a song, like hiding away from my family and making up a song. And like, I didn't do it again after for a long time, but like looking back, I'm like, wow, that was like a soul transmission right there before I ever knew what was in store. And then when I was in you know, grade school and junior high, high school, I was um, very much involved in like choir and theater and dance. And so that really helped. Um, you know, when I was just uh, at a show the other night where I just stepped, stepped up to play one song. We were, it was a whole night of Leonard Cohen songs in, on his Remembrance Day on Sunday night. And so I went up to just contribute one song and um the lyrics to the song that I sang it's one of us cannot be wrong and they're very it's just a very picturesque he paints the lyrics just paint so many pictures and there's a certain quality and character to it so I got into character a little bit and I had a top hat on and I was like I, I performance is a ritual for me you know so I was like I want to just like why not get into it and like wear this fun hat and like make something of it and the feedback that I kept getting after, after doing so, I was like, wow, you were like in this like other realm with, as a character almost. And I'm like, you know, that, that is probably because my comfort zone on stage is to embody something of it. Like, even if it's myself, it's like, it's going to be a little heightened, <laughs> like, you know, a little bit, a little bit on the next level. And so when I was it wasn't until I was 18 years old that I picked up an instrument. Um, my mother bought me an acoustic guitar. I still have it actually, the Alvarez guitar. And I would, I learned songs through um, Grateful Dead songbooks that had the, like the pictures of how you shape the bar chords and whatnot. And so I learned chords from just wanting to play songs that I liked as a deadhead teenager. <laughs> but I never had any formal training. I would say my dance training, my dance background taught me rhythm, taught me how to stay on rhythm. And even though we count in eight as opposed to four in music, it just really helped me understand the grid, the framework of the BPM. <laughs> and, um, and then obviously the theater helped me be on stage in front of people. I would say that helped with yoga too. I don't know if you have any background in theater or just, you know, being in front of people but mm -hmm. when when it came time to be in front of people to teach a yoga class I'm like oh this is very similar to learning mm -hmm. lines 
that's true. That's a really good point. I'd never, I've never really thought about that. Yeah. 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 I remember being a little, um, kind of quizzical at people that like felt really uncomfortable about, I'm like, Oh, I wonder why, why that is. It's not, not that big of a deal, but yeah. <laughs> I still get really nervous though. Teaching I'm still, or singing? Oh, not teaching, but being getting up um, before a show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it used to be crippling, like to the point where I was like, you know, you need your hands to be able to play and your hands are shaking miserably. So um, I had to get over so much of that. Um, I think it was just because there was a, there is a big leap from going from being in an act, acting in a musical or dancing in a musical to actually like burying your soul as a musician and playing an instrument and all ears are on you. <laughs> yeah, that is really true. That is something that, how do you feel about this? I feel like that was something that I like kind of graciously avoided being a mantra singer. Like <laughs> don't really need to bear myself in this. I mean, not that I wasn't present or like giving anything to it, but I wasn't being like divulgent about my emotions or anything, you know, it was like, yeah. Yeah. In a sense, well, in a big sense, it was the, with, in regards to that aspect, it was easier to be in front of people because in a sense, you know, then we were just like channeling the nod. It's mm -hmm. not me. I'm just a channel. Whereas this creativity as an artist and as your, you know, these are your original birthings. This is me here. <laughs> so there is definitely a, a, a change in, in the projection, I would say. Yeah, it could be, you could sort of consider your, your songs, no matter what they are to be not you, but I think we kind of naturally feel like more, I don't know, tied to them as part of our identity or something. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 I had such paralyzing, um, not singer's block, like stage fright when I was in college. Um, it was weird. Like I, I could sing with my acapella group, but I couldn't sing for my music class. I get mm. so nervous singing for my music class. And I realized it was because it was like, I realized people had shown up to judge me mm. in my music class, right? Big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. People with the acapella, they like showed up to be entertained, you know, <laughs> they weren't there to like nitpick at every part of what I was doing. And ironically, that created such like a nicer environment. And with the mantra stuff, it was like people just showed up to like bliss out, you know, they could mm -hmm. really care less what, <laughs> what happened. <laughs> eyes closed just take me there right right <laughs> you had me at, at at you know good evening <laughs> i was already in it yeah exactly yeah. no that's a big that's a really good point because what helped me calm my nerves on sunday before getting up on on stage for the leonard cohen fest was these people are here to enjoy themselves to have a good time. They are not here to pick apart everything you do and scrutinize and they're not wishing you screw up. Like, you know, like that. And it really helps. I'm like, oh, well then I can get into this and have fun with them. Like I want it. Now I really want to entertain them, you know? <laughs> now I'm going to turn it on for these people that want to be turned on, you know, like that's inspiring. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I remember feeling that way because I went to my college years, I went to school for dance and theater. And it was, there's something that in the field of, if, of, you know, creativity that has that competitive nature when you're in class. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And I really didn't prove yeah. yourself. Right. Well, and then the teacher, there literally judging what you're doing. <laughs> right. Yeah. I didn't do quite as well in that that some people do thrive in that pressure, you know, but I, not me, yeah. <laughs> not so much. Yeah. I got a little scared, actually. I, I got a little scared that I would start like not liking music. Cause I also, I majored in music, 
but I wasn't good at the theory stuff anyway. And I didn't have a great background in it. So I was, so I chose the only, like the least, I don't know, least conventional part of the major to focus on, which was electronic music and multimedia. Oh, cool. I'm like, no, you know, I, I noticed like I could make, you know, a track full of fart sounds and be like, <laughs> interesting, you know, <laughs> like where that third one is placed, you know? <laughs> and, and so I, it felt a lot like, I don't know, there was a lot more room for, um, not being judged, which is, which is funny. Yeah. Was that the type of music you were making before mantra music? Yeah, well, no, I was still songwriting, but I, I figured with that, I would at least learn how to um, use a recording studio. It wasn't in a conventional way, because mm-hmm. it was like, we did actually, we did some really cool stuff with like 5.1, you know, like, like mm. surround sound audio. Yeah. And so I, I did some cool stuff, but I didn't learn how to like properly mic a guitar or like, you know, how to like record a piano to sound really good or anything like that. Um, or at least not, I guess I read about it, but I didn't like experientially because what we were going for was different, you know, it's like, right. But that was smart to learn how to produce and record and work with the interface. It it gave me a good background. I'm still not, I wonder, I wonder if you are like, I still don't hear, like when I talk to Ram Dass about music and he's like, oh, I can hear like the frequency and like the 10,000, you know, <laughs> like whatever is, is, you know, needs to be pulled back. And I'm like, I don't hear like that. <laughs> I don't hear like that. I hear um, through feeling like if it's got the right vibe, but that's like a whole other nuance. That's like, I mean, deep bows. No, I was never, I was never taught anything like that. And then in, even now I still find personally, I just, I'd rather somebody record for me than me try to jump over all the hurdles and like pull my hair out, trying to grapple with the technology of it all. Because even though I've learned, you know, how to work in logic and whatnot, there's a lot that like can come up. It's just like computer issues or, you know, there's, there's issues and, you know, there's nothing you can do. Like what this, everything I'm trying to, and even when we're in the studio, sometimes that happens with like very skilled engineers. They're like, oh, I don't know what's going on right now, you know? Yeah. And I just know myself better. And I've learned over the years to like, okay, what, what am I good at that I can always improve at, but what, what can I bring to the table and really serve with? And it's not that. <laughs> <laughs> And in a sense, I've become, it's like, I'm dependent on somebody in that sense. I'd like to get, you know, get more savvy, but in the other sense, it's like, wow, I just really want to, I, with a limited t- amount of time and space that I have, what can I really hone in on? Yeah. And for, for me, that's just songwriting, singing, playing the guitar and arranging. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. <laughs> I don't mind being dependent on because I mean, it's a healthy dependency, right? Right. It's, like, it's, a, it's a dependence that kind of feed we kind of feed each other because like they need they need you because that's right. your livelihood. <laughs> you need them because that's your livelihood. You know, it's a good way to look at it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's so you you started guitar a little bit later on in life. I, I have to commend your mom for, for canning you a guitar. My, my dad was like, you should really learn how to play piano. So you can, there's a long road to piano before you can sing along with it, dad. Um, but it was, it, I, I sort of, I was bringing my keyboard, my keyboard to, um, to Mexico. And someone was asking me like, what is this? Cause it's like this coffin, you know? that I'm taking through customs. (laughs) And, and I was like, this is why you tell your friends with kids to buy them guitar. (laughs) Oh, funny. (laughs) Because it's a huge, I mean, that's such a, what a kind, what a nice instrument to be able to accompany yourself with. It's portable. It's easy to take on tour. You have to tune it, but. That is the, that is the plus. And I actually just bought myself a like, mini version of an acoustic guitar it's like it's so light I think it's made of graphite or something and it actually sounds really good it's the first guitar 
I bought in under 13 minutes wow. <laughs> where I walk into the store and they were like, we are closing, ma'am. And I'm like, I'm, I will be right out. I promise you. And I played like seven of them. I want it because I'm about to travel and I wanted to be able to, to go even lighter, but still be able to write a song if it comes to me on the beach, you know? And so I found, and it, and it's got all the electrics. I'm like, wow, it's so light. And I'm stoked on it anyways. Um, yes. And I wish I was trained in the piano because I feel like visually it can, it helps theoretically. That's true. Yeah. Whereas an, and, you know, of course there's so much to learn with the skills and, and the um, voicings on the piano, but it took, here's my calluses. It took a lot longer to get like a, see, you can't have fingernails. It took a lot longer to be able to extract a good sound out of a note on the guitar. That's one of the main differences is like, there's a, you can just put your finger down on a key and it will make that sound. (laughs) And that's not the case right away with guitar, but I just tell people who are picking up the guitar and want to learn to play it. I'm like, First of all, always have your fingernails short or you're going to work against yourself and then just keep doing it. Yes, it hurts. Yes, there's like a major learning curve to it. But once you actually start making those juicy sounds on there, you're going to be so happy you stuck with it. Yeah, I yeah, I I did it. I I, I like that I play piano, too. I I, I joke about it, but. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wish I was more savvy on the piano. It's huge. I'm not. I'm not like a an accomplished classical piano. Oh, you can hold it down, sister. I've seen you live. <laughs> I I do I do love it, and and I I feel like it's a very ground. You know, because it's not portable, right? It's also kind of a very grounding instrument, which is very good for me. You seem like you have the grounding thing built in a little bit, right? Yeah. Well, and also with the piano too, that you can play the bass on it, like the bass, mm. like if you don't have a bassist, you can, if your keyboardist can play the bass. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that grounding element there too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I miss having like an actual piano. That is, mm. that's my, my next goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once so, I picked a, once I picked a studio, it was uh, one of my mantra albums, uh, Jala. I was shopping around looking for a location to a uh, studio to produce that album. And the reason I chose the one that I did was because the, the, the piano that they had there was the spookiest sounding piano. And I was like, okay, I don't even play piano, but I'm going to play <laughs> piano on this, on this album. And that was the only reason why I chose that studio, but like no regrets. It was because it has this very spooky in a good way, like hauntingly, like tons of verb, you know, and just, I don't know. It just was like this really beautiful, very unique sounding piano. So that was the sole reason I chose it. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. I've chosen studios for their, well, one when I first started, because that was the only album I played piano on actually, but the, the studio had a piano that's hard to come by not not, not a lot of studios have pianos there was right. this one producer that invited me when I was living in Connecticut to come and check out his studio and he's like yeah we have a piano and I get there it's like like his keys missing and it's out of tune and I'm like this is technically a piano <laughs> <laughs> it's in the shape of a piano <laughs> um, but I I think I'll be, yeah, I think I'll be recording elsewhere. Thank you very much. Uh. (laughs) I, I feel like you have more to tell me, but I don't have another question. Do you have anything to share? Hmm. Well, I'm just really grateful that we're connecting. Um, yeah, you, you had brought up earlier about like the stories behind the music and I'm like you, I have like so many, so I'm like, am I going to bore people? Cause all I want to do is talk about like all the things that went into this, like from the title to the, you know, like the reason why I, I, the song order is the way it is. <laughs> There's so hey, much. Let's do it. That sounds really fun. <laughs> well, interesting because you'll, you'll, if you start asking, I don't know if you're the same way, but if you start asking your close circle of friends, like, Hey, 
Um, what do you think about like you're, if you're toying between like, for example, the song order and like you bounce it off some people, you're going to get a lot of different opinions. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they don't always line up with your own opinions too. So it's just one, one like it reflects to like how uh, how music hits people differently, even in the same exact song and what it evokes, because it's always about what's inside of us that like really creates the experience of listening. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I, I bounced the song order off of a friend, like really close friend. He's a great drummer, great musician, great ear. And he went, well, why are you starting with this song? <laughs> and I had this whole reason being like thematically, it starts, it sets the stage for everything emotionally. And he's like, yeah, but it's not as upbeat grabby which is you know what you want like mm -hmm. he was looking at it from a marketing perspective from a you know and I'm sitting there in the in the emotions of it and then in the you know and I won of course no <laughs> I did I did I'm like oh, it just has to be this way because like if I start with this other song that's might be more upbeat might be more accessible but it makes no sense thematically you know <laughs> this it's just funny because there's so much that goes into it. a lot of like back a, a lot of um, having to like go full circle and then come back to your own intuition about something, even if it's not the best marketing choice or, you know, yada, yada. I have a fix for that though. I don't know if you, you probably thought of this, but you take the song that's the upbeat one. That's the good marketing one. You release that as a single first and then you release your album <laughs> or you do that for a couple of them have yeah you been doing that? we we just did that I released three songs two of them were the upbeat ones okay. and yep exactly thank you for uh, affirming that that <laughs> was the right way to go and then nowadays with like, albums yes for sure some people will listen to it front to back but most people will just hear like that one single and you know or hear it in a totally mixed however the algorithm presents it to them <laughs> Right. So it's, right. yeah, it's such a different experience. And um, actually there's uh, growing up, I was always into um, the surprise hidden track. Oh yeah. At the end of certain, like, especially in the nineties, like they, that was the thing. And, and even the Beatles did it, you know? And, and so with Spotify and streaming platforms, it's like, Oh, you can't do, you can't have a hidden track anymore unless you have like, you know, you can't have a song that starts with, 20 or 30 seconds of dead air and then goes into a song they just like you can but like you won't get listened to or I don't know so um so we just made the ending the last song on my album have this like really really long outro and then surprise I like come back <laughs> I like how you did that visually like you're coming out of a cake <laughs> not done yet <laughs> still here <laughs> so it was like oh cool I got like a hidden track in and I snuck it in somehow and yes it's a nine minute song <laughs> that has well, two songs yeah. in I guess for pop that's weird or it yeah we're used genre? to it but... I would say a genre? Have you... <laughs> yeah I, I mean it's been interesting but I would say that um it, it's mostly like folk rock psychedelic folk rock there's an there's a genre called psych folk or my producer calls it freak folk and um I think lyrically I'm a freak folk artist because like we sent it to the masters this guy Peter Temple he's in, he's just an amazing mastering um, engineer and he always comes back with like oh, hey thanks for sending this over and he'll put his two cents in and when I sent him this album he was like really interesting lyrics <laughs> and, uh, so in that sense it's freak folk because they're just bizarre lyrics freak folk a little Makes left sense. of center so it's it's hard because i'll send it to indie playlisters and they'll be like this is not mainstream sounding enough this is not upbeat enough this is not you know and then i'll send it to like the freak folks 
and they're like, this isn't weird enough. You know, <laughs> I would say like, I would say actually as mainstream or not mainstream, but as popular as she is, Bjork is a perfect example of free folk, oh, okay. you know, just really out there. Like, what is she singing about? <laughs> what is she saying? <laughs> what is she saying? There's like a butterfly coming out of her. <laughs> like, just, she, she's a good example, even though she doesn't get categorized as that. And then there's, um, there's a harpist, uh, singer songwriter uh joanna newsome yeah she would be who i would also consider freak folk kind of just like a little bit more out there and the lyrics being a little bit weirder wow she's like the other spectrum from you because she's like so up in the clouds and you're like so up um, down on the earth (laughs) yeah yeah in that sense we're very different but i feel like um yeah the lyrically i thematically I just wasn't, I just didn't hold myself back when there was something lyrically that wanted to come through. I'm like, this is weird. And I'm going <laughs> to say it because like, it's just a part of my personality. And I think people get it. What's cool is that people really get it. And people do like things left of center, you know, especially um, as we mature. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's. Yeah. And I feel like actually that ability to say stuff that you're not sure how it's going to land is pretty courageous as an adult because that's something kids do. I mean, we're, we're naturally programmed for it, right? You, you say what you say, what you're thinking, and then you kind of like learn, you're learned out of that or you're schooled out of that. So it's true. And we have to get it back because I think it's there. Like, you know, it's still there in artists. And um, when I was diving into the repertoire of Leonard Cohen was when I, I went, wow. And like that, the artistry that came out of the late sixties and he like, the, he, Sorry. he would be, I mean, he's definitely what you would consider classic folk yeah. in the arrangement, but his lyrics are total freak folk. Like the song that I sang the other night, the reason I chose it was because his opening line was, I lit a thin green candle to make me <gasps> to make you jealous of me. And like, I'm just like, I love this. Like, it's just so witchy and cool. And um, yeah, it just goes, the song goes on and on and like the most bizarre, hilarious, satirical lyrics. And I think that like, um, without even knowing it, I was influenced by that in that vein with this album where, you know, I wrote everything and went like, that's weird. And then like, found others that also do that thing. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm not alone. <laughs> I interrupted you mid-sentence. You found that in that people would do this in in the in the 60s, 70s. Yeah. Um more like prose. You know, uh Joni Mitchell, good example too. Just the prose was um there was something in the air, something in the water back then that, you know, it's just nowadays it's still present but it's more underground or not as mainstream you know maybe because the drugs were more calming <laughs> then <laughs> so true the drugs totally influenced everything yeah <laughs> that's hysterical because yeah, I'm the same way I love writing like my songs are so super long and there's so many lyrics and the choruses almost never have the same lyrics and you know, I just love writing. I want to say more, you know, but <laughs> say it and more and in different ways. Yeah, yeah. Totally. yeah. There's, yeah, there, there was more to say. I mean, not if there isn't more to say, but there is, but if there is. Right. And um, yeah, the Leonard Cohen, perfect example too. Nothing repeats itself. There is no, re- <laughs> there is no hook. There is no repeating chorus at all. And it yeah. was like, wow. And yet everyone loves this song. So I think there's just, you know, something out there for everyone, you know, you'll find the people, hopefully that (laughs) that's just my prayer and my mantra. Oh, just, I'm going to put this out there. Whoever will dig it, just come find me. (laughs) (laughs) There's only so much I can do, you know, (laughs) whoever will dig it, just come find me. I like that. Yeah. Uh, That's, I mean, that's the wonderful thing about, it's the wonderful and also the, the overwhelming aspect, I suppose, of the, the paradigm that we're in now is there is the opportunity for so much variety, but there's also like, I mean, it's like the needle in the haystack of, you know, 
like how how did how do they find you i think they find you energetically and that's the only thing i can reason because how i mean how else like they typed in sentient on spotify (laughs) (laughs) it is such an energetic thing it's such an etheric thing like the i mean the ether web you know it's just uh i trust actually well part of it is like they're listening, the bots are listening, you know, to what we like and what we're gravitating towards and what we're, so in the sense it gets crafted for us, but I also trust when something comes in and I was just thinking about it. I, I was talking to a friend who, of mine the other day, she's really weary about all the AI stuff happening and like, you know, totally resisting it. And I'm like, I get that. I totally get it. In a sense, it's totally scary. And I'm working with it. I, first of all, I'd rather see ads um, for things that I'm talking about or needing, then something totally random. And then I'm also developing a relationship with this artificial intelligence in the sense that, yeah, I'm, it can be like the ethers, the, the Akash, where it's just like, okay. It does feel like the physical manifestation <laughs> of that. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. So in that sense, I feel like the people that come in or I'll see someone on, you know, somebody will pop up on Instagram and I'll be like, oh, who's this? And I go seeking them, you know, so the same thing happens in reverse. So if there's yeah. something fascinating about it, that's intangible and totally oh, subtle. We, we just have a few more minutes, but can we talk about your Instagram before we go? Cause that was something that, that just popped into my mind too. When I was thinking about having this conversation is you have the most engaging photos. I just love your, your IG feed. And I wonder if, is that just something that you love doing or do you uh-huh. love really taking photos? Yeah. Yeah. For a while I was doing just, um, you know, like pictures from my camera. I don't have the greatest phone, phone camera, I should say, but, um, then I just got more intentional with it. And I started working with a few local photographers that I just love getting into. Again, it's my theater background, but I'm like, what if I played this character or what if the theme? And so I always get this, um, rush of creative energy about what I want. And then um, I'll reach out to them. Hey, can we do this? And it needs to be in this setting. And, you know, so we get really colorful with it and the wardrobe's got to be right and everything. I have entered photo shoots where I'm like, I don't have a clear idea of what I want. Let's just see what happens. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Or sometimes I'll have a really clear idea, go in there and try to like make it happen. And it doesn't, but something else cool happens. So I just love, I, you know, from being, I was a professional actress at one point in my life where I was actually making money from it. And so I had to do a bunch of like a copious amount of headshots. Mm. So I got used to doing, I got, I got used to being on that, um, that side of the you know lens. And so, yeah, now I'm really into the Instagram curation, you know, and I think it's kind of like a little outlet for creativity and <laughs> yeah yeah I'll, I mean I encourage anyone listening to go follow you because it's a great feed it, it always it's just visually very very interesting and beautiful and yeah thank you one. yeah I have like for the non-professional stuff I just put it in my stories you know sharing memes funny memes to make you laugh and like the random stuff that, you know, I take pictures of from time to time. Those are my stories, but like with the feed, I've just started, like, I actually archived a bunch of stuff and then just made, you know, what felt like a good palette. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well done. It's it's nice. I feel like it's, it's sort of, it either, you know, I feel like you find your medium, you know, for me, Instagram's not really because that's not my passion is taking photographs, <laughs> not at all. But I so appreciate how like amazingly you do it. And it doesn't seem like you're forcing it at all either. It seems like a very organic sort of, oh, yeah, we you have know, fun that you actually like it as opposed to yeah. trying to get something specific, you know, from it. Yeah. This is a good moment for you actually to share your Instagram handle and also let everyone know how they can stay in touch with you and find all of your beautiful music. Oh, great. Well, my Instagram is at ema.naomi, E-E-M-A dot Naomi. And that's the same name I use for my Spotify and uh, Apple Music and all of that. And coming soon, my website, emanaomi.com. And 
And is yeah, that just one word, Ema Naomi? Yeah, for the okay. website. Mm-hmm. I'll have this linked in the description, in the podcast description, so people can click on it easily. Great. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Naomi, Ema Naomi, for coming on the <laughs> podcast. And thanks, y'all, for listening. And we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. For more conversations like this and to help us share this podcast, please subscribe on the platform of your choice as well as leave us a comment. To keep in touch with me and receive updates, please sign up for my newsletter at portersinger.com. You'll get a free download as well as receive updates on my self-healing sound courses, workshops, and other community building events that I'm creating. Have a beautiful day.